May I sit at the bar? Oh, sure, sure, please. See. Oh. What other words did you learn? あ、お客さん、上がりちょう、頼むよ、急いで。今大好きなヒルメロ見てんだよ。シェット、ヒルメロタイム。いいから急げ、ハリだ。お茶は空いてるんだから、たまには自分で出しなさい。シェット。
what else we watched this week. So, Jeremy, I must ask, what did you watch this week? Wow. Thanks for asking. Bryn, this past week, I went to the goddamn movies in New York. Hell I yeah. went to the um, Alamo Drafthouse Cinema in, um, in downtown Brooklyn. Uh, upstairs from the Target, and uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> we all know it well. Yep. Uh, and all the I, way to the top floor. All the way up, so high up, so and high nobody up, fucking can... walks on those escalators, <laughs> so you gotta take like <laughs> 20 minutes to get up there. <laughs> yep, and then you gotta, well, there's an elevator, and then once you're in, then you have to take escalators. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could just hang out in the House of Wax, yes. the weird, weirdo, gothy bar. Which is a nice place, but... It's a nice place, but who's going there? I'm not going to go all the way up there. Who the fuck's going all the way upstairs just to hang out at a bar? (laughs) Maybe after the movie, you'd stay for a drink. I've done that. I've done that a couple times. It's it's the only way that's going to work. Whereas the the Alamo here, I would hang out at the bar because it's at a place that people go to. Yeah. And I think that's how it's at most other places, but... New York City's got that premium real estate, so they had to do what they could do. So uh, so I went to the Alamo Draft House and I saw Asteroid City. And I'm glad you did. The 2023 <laughs> Wes Anderson comedy drama starring a lot of people. So many people. And I'm glad you, I'm glad Jeremy saw this because I brought this up. This was my movie that I watched this week last week. But we had two jokers on, and I knew we weren't going to actually talk about the movie. <laughs> we had fucking clowns on here. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike us, very serious people. Yeah, we're who here don't to talk about movies in a real <laughs> serious way. <laughs> yeah, so what do you think? Uh, I liked it a lot. I will say I think it's it's kind of... I mean, you know, I didn't love um, Paris Dispatch. It was not my French favorite Dispatch. Wes. French Dispatch, whatever. Um, did not like French Dispatch very much. Um, not my favorite Wes. However, uh, whatever the one before that, the um, Grand Budapest, Grand Budapest was probably one of my favorite Wes's. That's my favorite Wes. Up and I like the one before that too. Moonrise Kingdom is very good. I, I the more I mean, I think that's probably on the bottom half of my list, down mm. with Island Isle of Dogs, just because it's even at its best, it's kind of for kids. I think, yes. which is fine, but it, which is fine, yeah. It just didn't grab me. The it didn't it didn't feel as weighty as as some of his other movies. Oh, and Isle of Dogs is between those anyway. Um, Isle of is Dogs is in between Grand Budapest and French Dispatch. Yeah, yeah. Which um, it's so bad. It's uh, not Isle really of Dogs mentioning. sucks. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's 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 his one real big whiff. Yeah, like <laughs> big old stinker. Which is such a shame because it looks great. It does look great. Anyway, yeah. So I kind of thought um, Asteroid City in a lot of ways was like a. I don't know, like a return to form a bit. It's it's got a lot of like the fun Wes that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the places where it faltered for me are uh, we're just gonna go into spoilers here. Um, yeah, yeah. This is a brand new movie. Uh, if you don't want to hear spoilers, please skip ahead. Uh, yeah. But we're just gonna talk about it. We're like just gonna talk it. about it. Skip ahead to like you know twenty or so probably. Um, so I think so. The movie is split into like these three distinct pieces right of like um there is uh the main narrative of what's going on in asteroid city there's this like meta narrative of this play of asteroid city that's happening and then there's a meta meta narrative of a like twilight zone tv show talking about the play about asteroid city (laughs) yes and um while i like that framing device 
theoretically, I think in practice, it didn't really do much for me. I think like um, every time we were cutting to those, I was like, shut up, go back to (laughs) go back to Asteroid City. I don't care about what you guys are up to. Um, So there's like some fun here and there. There's fun little bits in it, Uh, especially in particular, I think the um, the Twilight Zone meta meta narrative really did not need to be there. It didn't do shit for the movie. It just gave us a reason that Brian Cranston in there and you get one fun gag out of it, basically. And that's it. So I think that stuff didn't really work for me. And it kind of at times it felt almost like it was kind of to like patch over places where they didn't really have an idea. Hmm. Um, Particularly the end, it kind of felt like they didn't really have an idea of how to satisfyingly end this story. So they were just like, let's do like something really dramatic in the meta narrative of the play to like kind of give this a sort of a, 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 you know, something that feels like an ending. Otherwise it's just, you know, the quarantine ends and everybody goes home and that's it. Right. I I think so for me, the way I thought about it is it was trying to recreate this experience of when you're young or are in college and sort of reading these things from an older time mm-hmm. from from like the 60s specifically 50s and 60s when america was this very so i i love this movie because of this like i think what 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 it really captures was the experience i had as a as a young adult reading things that I just had no concept of or really had trouble understanding as anything besides just what was on the page. And then you find out about their lives and their politics. Like for example, specifically Tennessee Williams, who I think this is directly referencing. Like if you Mm -hmm. read night of the iguana or cat on a hot tin roof, it just feels like this sort of like impenetrable, (laughs) like story about this person who's just kind of a, a bitch or a, a bad guy or whatever and then it's over right. and it it just feels so weird and and i what i really liked about asteroid city is it kind of was like reading that story but also reading the life story of tennessee williams at the same time mm-hmm. to give you the intended um metaphorical like codex of like okay, well, he wasn't, this guy's also a gay communist. (laughs) And it's like, this. it's the 60s and we're in the, like, right after McCarthyism and the civil rights movement is going on. And so, like, what are we talking about when we're talking about the frontier of America being bombed with nuclear bombs and then, like, this other coming down and then, like, the the government controlling these people's lives? Like, Mm -hmm. all of that, I think if he had just made that movie just the asteroid city parts i think the alien the nuclear bombs would have just like completely gone over everybody's head as anything that he had anything to say about it yeah i mean i see what you're getting at i think i think devoid of that lived experience of reading tennessee williams and then learning about tennessee williams's life like devoid of that life experience, I think this stuff does go over your head because I didn't make much connection between like his, his real life, you know, the character, whatever the playwright's name is. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't really make as much connection between like his being gay and his being communist into kind of what this story in asteroid city was, but I did. I mean, there is still like, but I think it's definitely there. The I I agree with you that it's there. I think what I would have 
what I would have liked to have seen then is to have stripped away the third meta narrative of the Twilight Zone guy and use that time to add more to the you know the playwright part to like give us a little bit more more of that because yeah. at the moment it kind of felt like it was more about like both of them felt like they were really more there to add extra West guys into the movie. I think Brian Cranston is there basically only because I kind of I think I kind of think of it as only two things mm-hmm. like there's the real world of Conrad uh, writing the play and putting on the play and you know um, what's his name big nose guy. Adrian the director Brody. Adrian Brody Adrian Brody directing the play all the real world stuff in black and white and then there's the actual play that you're watching mm. I think Brian Cranston is only there to tie them together as like and you're actually watching the play right. and I think that's basically just a bit mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just for bits which is like yeah I, I think I think you're right that it's like it's a little bit sloppy where it's like I think it is maybe more confusing than anything where it's just like, wait, why is he here? (laughs) Yeah, there's stuff that's, I mean, there's stuff in this whole thing that's confusing. Like, um, I mean, there's this whole part towards like right at the end of the movie, basically, where like we cut back to play world and we have um, uh, we have Jason Schwartzman like walk out for a smoke and he's like, I don't know what the show's actually about. And then he like sees the woman <laughs> who played his wife and she's like, Ooh, I got cut from the scene. Here's the scene. And then like he goes back inside and they do this whole like, uh, you have to fall asleep to wake up or whatever. Yeah, and they're all just like chanting it. Asleep. Yeah, they're all chanting it and chanting it and chanting it. And then we cut away back to the movie and I'm like, I don't know what that was. <laughs> I just like, I don't, I, I don't know what what was that doing in there. Like, what was the what was the purpose of it? You know, I I, I think it's. I mean, <laughs> for me, I had like a visceral. Like, I haven't had a reaction to a movie like this since like I was like in high school. Like, yeah. I watched this movie like in awe, um, and I for for whatever reason like this all just made a lot of sense to me emotionally. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I, I had to like sit and think about it for a long time because I, the truth is, is that I was also like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it means a lot of things, um, uh, you know, about what Conrad is going through and what the play is about. Um, and the way you had to live in this country as the kind of person Conrad is and the way you had to express yourself um, at that point in time. Um, and, and I think it's sort of about like, you can't like th- what, what the movie I think is trying to express is like, <laughs> I, I, we're getting very serious about movies here, <laughs> but like, I think the movie is trying to express like this sense that, that a like what america is is this like this dream that doesn't exist mm-hmm. <laughs> and you like can't you can't like dismantle it without experiencing it right um and so like all of the kitsch of of the play where it's like you know just like it's 50s on a hundred percent of the max, you know, where right. it's like the, 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 the distant father and the photography and the, the Hollywood and, and the UFOs and like the, the push button age and, uh, 
everything's like a vendo mat and everything is like it, it all kind of is covering this very dark thing that's actually happening mm-hmm. where everyone's sort of xenophobic and afraid and they're trying to kill each other. Right. Um, and, and I think the, 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 the play part where they, they do the, you can't, you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep is like this weird. I think they're trying to express that if you don't accept everything about it, the, the the reality of it you can't recognize what you're actually experiencing mm-hmm. um it's a very it, it's like a i think maybe wes's most philosophically dense and like politically and ideologically dense movie and i and i like that i didn't like immediately uh mentally understand what he was feeling what he was trying to say but like yeah emotionally it just felt so strong um and i and i really got a like this movie was a movie that i was like i am gonna go home and download it and watch it again immediately mm-hmm. and i haven't felt that way about anything for like 20 years <laughs> so i i think for me this was a like near perfect movie i i mean i i, I think your criticisms of it with with brian cranston are probably very re- true mm-hmm. <laughs> i was just sort of overwhelmed yeah. by how much i enjoyed what i did enjoy which is almost everything yeah um um other things in it that i uh that i really like i like how goofy uh it is a lot of the time um, it's so funny it's That's like, like it's so crazy straight up about doing it's looney tunes so shit like there's <laughs> so much the fun who's like me me yeah they have the little roadrunner <laughs> like when the thing falls out of his car and it's like sputtering on the ground and like all their little inventions and stuff it's all very goofy and very funny i like that stuff a lot yeah um and i like that as sort of this like reflection of all of the 50s-ness that's happening around it like right. it kind of i mean that's you know the 40s and 50s is the looney tunes age you know yeah. <laughs> like well, i guess I like that, the 30s i think 30s that's a, 50s. a big part of what he's trying to do is like show like he's giving you all the things you love about your country mm-hmm. uh, as this like big pastiche of like look the the old west and the and the miners and then yeah these 66 like these and- cowboys who keep just like walking into the frame to be like well we made a little song about this <laughs> yeah <laughs> But but it it doesn't shy away from also including in the Looney Tunes the darkness of the country, which is yeah. like the Native American uh, soldier character and the n- nuclear explosions. But it's all like drawn like a New Yorker cartoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. It's yeah. It's astonishing to use your style that you've become like known for as a cutesy, like overwrought twee style and be like no i'm really just gonna lean into it to show you something really strange and dark about the country you live in yeah astounding astounding i love um i also love that there's just like a goofy ass little alien in the middle of it huh he's so good (laughs) (laughs) if you haven't seen the movie don't look up what the alien looks like don't look him up do not (laughs) it's Yes, definitely. If there's if you've been spoiled by everything we've said so far, you can still see the movie and enjoy it. Please, I beg you, (laughs) do not look up the alien. (laughs) Yeah, because I knew that there was an alien in the movie. They showed the UFO in the movie Mm -hmm. uh, in the trailer. trailer, Yeah, Um, and I was so I was like I wasn't surprised, but I was just like I can't believe this is what I'm watching. (laughs) I can't believe they made him look like this. 
Yeah, it's great. It's, it's incredible. Great. He's so good. And he shows up again <laughs> yeah. two times. Yeah, he gets a little encore. Yeah. <laughs> and then the reveal in the play that it's Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Jeff Goldblum plays the alien. Hilarious. And man, when, when, when Jason Schwartzman takes the picture of the alien and he's like... <laughs> oh, yeah, that he like holds it up to pose. <laughs> Yeah, big it's big laughs and theater. La- yeah, I mean that's what's so so great about the movie is that it's like even if you don't want to engage with what I found like emotionally stunning and mm-hmm. like philosophically interesting and you know just a, a a real a movie worth chewing on and talking about. I think um, with your friends or you know whoever, like you can still just straight up enjoy this movie as a very funny cute Wes Anderson movie yes. and leave the theater and not worry about it. And you can be like, well, that's weird. What's all, <laughs> well, what was the black and white part? You know, like whatever. And then just leave. And it's still a pretty fulfilling movie. I think, um, as the play, it just like has the other stuff in it. Uh, really great. Really great. Yeah. movie. Good ass movie. Good Wes. Highly recommended. I don't know if I'm quite as high on it as you are. No, I don't think anybody. But I is. am pretty high on it. I <laughs> I definitely put it in the top half of the table at least. Yeah, I mean, you gave it four stars on Letterbox, so you liked it. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. <laughs> I gave it five stars because I, 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 I think this one is gonna like me personally. I think. Do you what? What do you say is your favorite, Wes? I think. Um, it, well, you don't have to include this one in the. Yeah, I think like upon reevaluation of it recently, I think I. Th- I think Life Aquatic okay. might be my favorite Wes. Um, but that I don't used know. To I be, gotta... That used to be mine yeah. um, until Grand Budapest, which took its place. Yeah, I was going to say, I have to rewatch Grand Budapest because that's the one that I think would be the contender for it. I got to look at his yeah. list again here now. Royal Tenenbaums, Life Aquatic. I think this one's going to be his thing. Like, yeah, I kind of feel like Grand Budapest and and Life Aquatic would probably be the two contenders for me. With like maybe a shout for Fantastic Mr. Fox it's as so good. like kind of a like as a sleeper maybe come in and win it all. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's that's mad. That it's really so fun. <laughs> it's a really fucking fun movie. <laughs> And I like, I, I think that the last, it's funny because this is, I think of Asteroid City and um, I think of Moonrise Kingdom, or excuse me, I think of Grand Budapest Hotel as his last movie <laughs> in uh-huh. a weird way. Like it it, it was f- 10 years ago. Yeah. Like Grand Budapest Hotel came out in 2014. Um, so it's been a long time, but he made Isle of Dogs, which is an animated movie, which it counts, obviously. And then he made French Dispatch, which is an anthology movie, mm-hmm. but it obviously still counts. Um, but it's just the real movies feel like Grand Budapest and then this. Um, and then before that, you know, you had Moonrise and Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Um, it feels like this is the culmination of everything he's. I, I, in the last couple of. In the last decade, he's really been like, I'm going to move away from telling small stories about family and interpersonal drama to making like large commentary on, you know, usually from the perspective of like a single person within the framework of family drama. But it's really about this like larger thing. And to me, I I appreciate that a lot. 
Yeah. I mean, looking at this list, I realize now that I absolutely must see Darjeeling Limited. It's like the only one that I think I haven't seen. Really? And that I guess I haven't seen Bottle Rocket. I'm curious about Bottle Rocket, like how much of his uh, how much of his shit was already there. It's it's all the writing, like the uh-huh. the, the sense of humor, the, the comedy. But the visual isn't. No, I mean, it, it's it's like sort there's like slow motion shots and like the music cues. And there's like one or two shots of drawers that look like Wes Anderson. Uh, like they open a drawer and it's like from the top and it's sure. like all laid out nicely. Um, like maybe two times that happens. Also, the credits uh, looks like Wes Anderson, but it's it's very, very subtle. Um, but it's still a fun movie. I mean, it's a cute you know if you like owen and luke wilson like being wes anderson guys it's it's a it's a fun movie it's not like it's not bad it's mm-hmm. a very it's a very cute one um darjeeling is a very wes anderson movie that i think that's that what a- i remember hearing about it at the time was people were like i mean it's the same this is the thing now is like at the time this seemed like a novel critique of wes anderson and now in <laughs> retrospect i'm like this is literally what everybody says every time he puts out a movie is yeah. there's somebody there to say there's too much wes anderson he's gone too far he's this gone time. too far this time <laughs> <laughs> uh it's ridiculous it's it's, a it's rid- so funny that that's like the that's the just standard critique of him now no matter what no matter what the movie is, no matter what he does, no matter what he says, it's always going to be, he's done too much Wes Anderson this time. Yeah, <laughs> shut up. If you think that, reevaluate yourself. That yeah. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of feel the same way about Tarantino, where it feels like almost every Tarantino movie that comes out, except for this last one, basically. Uh, Hollywood is the le- is the only one that I didn't hear this about. You well, know, because it, was... it kind of got cut back, definitely. Like, yeah. the, the style um, was more down to earth, which I really liked. That's mm-hmm. one of the things I liked about that movie. Uh, just so long and so <laughs> so long. But we're not get... here to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, folks. No. We're no. here to talk about Kill Bill volumes one and two. All of Kill Bill, the whole bloody Bill. affair. The whole bloody affair. Although we did not watch the whole bloody affair, I don't uh, think it's it's literally just both of the movies cut together. I thought like, the animated sequences are longer or something like that. Oh, sorry. Uh-oh. What's going on? Are you Shit. there? What happened? Oh, something... You just started getting, like, really choppy. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck's happening. Are you um, choppy? Now Am I I'm choppy? Not, no, now I'm good. Okay, now I'm good. Now you're good. I don't know. That, no, that's never happened before. Uh, okay. And cut here. <laughs> and cut here. And what were we talking about was, um... The whole bloody affair. Right. So the whole bloody affair, as I understand it, also includes, like, extra animated sequences or some shit like that. Oh. Okay. Well, I didn't watch it either. Good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good. I don't want you talking about extra animation I don't fucking know about. <laughs> uh, no. I watched straight up Kill Bill 1 with credits and Kill Bill 2 with credits. Yep. Um, so, Kill Bill... But he intended it. It was shot as one movie. It was not, you know, it was only released as two movies because of Mr. Weinstein. Mm, um, yet another crime of Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> that's right. Um, 
because possibly he was like, one of his worst ones <laughs> up there really Definitely up, up there <laughs> uh oh yeah an extended animation sequence okay well i didn't watch it um so this movie is his uh what is it his fifth fourth film um reservoir dogs uh pulp fiction jackie brown and then this yeah fourth yeah okay this is his fourth movie it came out in 2003 and four mm-hmm. um because it was released as two movies uh which is very reasonable um because he refused to cut this movie down yeah um why i would i'll never know but uh the movie is about uma thurman who is an assassin who's trying to run away from being an assassin because she gets pregnant with her daughter kill bill or bill (laughs) uh (laughs) tracks her she she leaves for a year and doesn't say anything he tracks her down he he's her her boyfriend or lover or whatever yeah and master because it's also a samurai movie and a western and a revenge movie and it's everything um and so he tracks her down and kills her or tries to shoots her in the head but she survives she loses the baby she thinks turns out at the end of the movie or the first movie you find out the baby does survive um she's in a coma for four years uh he won't kill her because it would be dishonorable so he lets her live in the coma she wakes up and now she is on a rampage to kill the five people, the four people who were there, other people from the um, Deadly Vipers or Deadly whatever. Deadly Viper Assassination Squad, Bryn, say the name. No. So <laughs> <laughs> she goes, she wants to kill them and Bill. And so the whole movie is her tracking them down, also interspersed with them explaining the rest of the plot throughout over the course of the four hours. But it's mostly just her tracking down these different people and then killing them. Yep. In elaborate fight scenes some of which are animated or you go every time you meet these people you're you have to see their whole past and you know their whole whatever gi joe origin story Mm -hmm. and then she kills them one by one she finally gets the bill she finds out that her daughter is alive um which she didn't know until that's what we knew yeah. Um, she didn't know that at this point, but she's like, oh, fuck. So then her and Bill have this long conversation about why all this stuff happened. And then it's like half a, it's like an, another hour of conversation about <laughs> this bullshit. And then, uh, and then finally they put the baby to sleep. She's really sweet. She kills Bill with the five finger death punch or whatever. <laughs> And then he dies and she takes the baby and then they live happily ever after. And that's the movie. Yep. How do you feel about this movie? <laughs> so I'm going to say, well, first of all, I, 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 I wrote in my letterbox review of the first movie that my, I can't be seen as an objective uh, judge of, of any Kill Bill media at all because I did uh, get my dick sucked for the first time ever in my <laughs> life with the DVD menu of Kill Bill Volume 1 <laughs> on the TV. So Because you... <laughs> because you have had a great tweet the other day and I was wondering what... What I was referencing. Um, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull up. You could probably say it. Yeah, it was something along the lines of like the millennial experience is having a, uh, an early teenage sexual experience so directly tied to a DVD menu 
uh, that seeing it again in your lifetime will like create a Proustian horniness <laughs> that takes you through the ages of like every every sexual act you've ever performed in your life. <laughs> yes. So you, when you think of how Kill Bill, you're immediately revved up. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely does something pretty special to me. Okay. Um, interesting. It has, but I mean, it's also just like it's a nostalgic movie for me. It's. I mean, it's, I feel like everybody's like, I always think about, um, this is going to be a stupid reference to pull, but Lauren Michaels talking to Mark Marin uh, on, on WTF with Mark <laughs> Marin. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember him talking about how people will discuss like which the best cast of SNL ever was, right? And everybody has their one that was great and everything before it was okay and everything after it sucked tragically. Right. And he's like, without fail, everybody's favorite cast is the one from when they were teenagers. Of course. And 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 the the same goes for like for albums. <laughs> same goes for for movies. Like everybody's favorite of something like generally falls into the one that hit them at the right time in their life. And yeah, I feel course. like the right time for Tarantino in your life is when you're a teenager. And these are the movies that were coming out when I was a teenager. So like I don't know. There's something about like watching these, watching the two of them back to back like this. I was like, this fucking rocks. This movie is so fun. Like I have such a great time watching it. It reminds me of a lot of different people in my life that I haven't seen in a long time. It reminds me of a lot of experiences from, from being a teenager. Like just, I mean, not just getting my dick sucked, but also like, you know, <laughs> friends of mine who were really into this movie, people who I watched it with people who I talked about it with. I remember like, Things that didn't really pop for me this time uh, that, like, really popped for me back then, for example, like uh, um, like the beeping out her name throughout the whole movie until the one last reveal, which, uh-huh. for me, this time, I was like, why the fuck did you do that? Who gives a shit what her name is? Why is that, yeah. like, a mystery? But I remember seeing this and being like, like, what do we think her name is? Like, you can probably read her lips and whatever, and then, like... <laughs> I don't know. All of this stuff like really was was fun, and I was thinking like this is the most blockbustery that Tarantino probably ever gets. Even though this isn't his most like his most successful film by a long shot, um, mm-hmm. it feels the most blockbustery. It feels the most like trying to be a big major spectacle, and it is. You know, sure, it is a spectacle of all the things you could say about it. You know, it is a massive spectacle. Yeah, I got. It. I'll agree with that. Um, it's an event, you know. It's I, an event movie. I watched this movie fully expecting to like it mm-hmm. uh, this time. I my history of this movie is I was all I've always had this like suspicion, especially as a kid, as a teenager, when Quentin Tarantino was releasing his stuff and people were all, everyone was saying Pulp Fiction was good. I ha- I always had this like suspicion and it's because I watched Reservoir Dogs first mm-hmm. and I was like, this movie's stupid. I don't like this movie. And people were like, you got to watch Pulp Fiction. It's totally good. And I was like, okay, watch Pulp Fiction. I was like, oh, this is good, but something about it feels wrong. Like something about it feels like cheesy and mm-hmm. stupid. Like I, maybe it just comes from like not being a boy or whatever, but like, <laughs> Like when he pulls out his wallet and says bad motherfucker on it, uh-huh. I was just like, this movie is dumb. Yeah. Like it's stupid. Absolutely. And, and 
and I didn't like that. Yeah, um, that's the problem, really, <laughs> is that, like, like I think that you're supposed to think it's dumb. These things are cheesy. They're tacky. It's the same as, I mean, comparing him to Wes Anderson is so, is so, like, exactly on the level, because it is really, like... It's 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 a guy who's obsessed with a different type of tackiness. You know, the both of them are really into these sort of like tacky, chintzy old things just from different eras and like presented in different ways. But sure, that's what it's all about is like these are supposed to be gaudy and tacky. You know, like you right. are supposed to see the bad motherfucker thing and be like, like, yeah, if somebody actually owned that in real life. I mean, I knew people who owned that in real life and I was like, that's lame. Me too. <laughs> You're that a sucks. fucking loser. <laughs> Yeah, and well, so the thing is, is like, I get that now. I, I understand. And yeah. what I like about Tarantino now as an adult is when he uses those things to be funny or, and more importantly, in movies like Inglorious Bastards and uh, Django, um, uses them to reach specific types of emotions that you wouldn't be able to reach otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, where like in Inglorious Bastards, it's over the top and ridiculous, but you're sort of just cheering anyway. Right. You know, you you have these sort of like amplified levels of of and th- it kind of feels like like a a festival band. You know what I mean? Like yes, you're not actually gonna listen to fucking gla- glass animals or whatever. Like yeah. some like <laughs> hey ho floor tom band, but in the moment. It's 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 doing something to your beetle brain that is like this is the most important thing I've ever seen. This mm-hmm. is awesome, uh, and I feel like he's able to do those things in like Django, where it's like, yeah, no one ever ended slavery by killing every motherfucker in the room, but it would be amazing. And I'm watching it now, and it's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so I, I get that, and I was fully expecting to go into this movie and be like, it's probably all that. It's all probably very funny. And and that and I hated it. I fucking hated every second of this movie so much. Every second, come on! I was so pissed through the whole movie. Get out of here! I can't believe how annoying this movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I really went in with like a full. Come on, Quentin, show me something fun, and I hate it. I can't believe that. Okay, the first movie is not a movie. Mm-hmm. The first movie is, it shouldn't exist. Like, the first movie should be 20 minutes long. <laughs> it, it's really all just set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and stuff just happens for so long. Remember we talk, we talk about Jackie Brown being flabby. Mm-hmm. Like, this movie is just like fucking, like, she goes to the sword guy. That sword scene takes literally 10 minutes. And the sword guy is just like sitting there, like doing these like, for like forever. It rocks. It sucks. (laughs) I'm so bored by this. I I, can't believe the sword guy is where your problem lies here. I mean, it's just an example. There's definitely flab. (laughs) There's definitely flab all over both movies for sure. I think this could have been trimmed down. This is a two-hour movie tops. It could even be a three-hour movie. I think I would have taken this as a three-hour movie easy. Um, but let's go, so let's go through it bit by bit and we'll, okay. we'll, we'll talk about each chunk kind of as it comes. Right. So we start with, you know, we get the, like the origin here where they're at the chapel, but whatever, it's short. Uh, we don't really see much of it at the beginning. You get the beautiful, uh, Nancy Sinatra song, 
um, over the opening credits. Um, so then she's, um, oh, we get like the, she's in the hospital. They try to assassinate her, but then they don't. And then there's the guy who's yeah. coming in okay, to but rape wait, her. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're, you are now half an hour into the movie. Yes. And, and, and this, there's this whole thing where it's like Daryl Hannah is like, she comes in, we get her whistling, we get her stupid like comic book outfit and she changes into a comic book nurse. Sorry. Her stupid comic book outfit is awesome. (laughs) She's wearing folks at home. If you haven't watched this movie in a while, her, her outfit that she walks in with is a jacket that has no details on it, but rather has printed onto it, like silk screened onto it, the details of a jacket. Hilarious. Where do you find that? Where did, (laughs) where did anybody get that? That rocks. It's really funny. (laughs) And I then I agree with you. Her nurse outfit sucks. Whatever. I don't care. But the, 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 it's just like so. It's so masturbatory. That's really mm-hmm. the problem. Is the is that he? Here's here's the thing. It's like the movie feels like watching someone jingle keys at me, <laughs> and I'm supposed to be like, "Yay, hooray!" And it's like if you love, I, I don't want to be like, I, I don't want to be hateful of the keys. Like, Mm -hmm. I I just can't think of a better, like, it's like watching clouds where it's like, if you're really in the mood, sometimes there's beautiful stuff in clouds, Uh but I'm not, I don't care. It's like, I don't know how to evaluate this because it's just aesthetic. Mm -hmm. It's only aesthetic and there's nothing else to this. There's no, there's nothing to be said. He's not trying to get at anything. That's true. There's that I will 100 percent agree with you on. There's literally nothing in this movie. No, it's it's an empty. It's just it's, it's just for candy. fun. It's just for aesthetic. It's just for action. That's right. all that's happening. And that's and so for that, that reason, is very subjective. And so it's just like it, it, sure, if you don't get this visually, there's nothing there. And so for me, the first movie is. 100% a slog like absolutely boring unwatchable nonsense drivel because yeah. I, there's nothing else there I mean I so I'll agree with you on this first section of um of uh what's her name again L um, yeah but I mean what's her real name oh Daryl Hannah. Hannah yeah Daryl Hannah walking into the thing and then doing the injection and whatever and talking about like you know dying in our sleep is I don't really give a shit about all that I that's it's mostly a skipper i think there's yeah, like it takes so long though there's like some fun um audio stuff with her whistling and then it like turns into the song and then it turns into the yeah. like that stuff is pretty cool and that's part of what makes this movie too is like the soundtrack of it's it is all... pretty cool and um bombastic and huge and it's kind of i mean this is the thing is like i kind of feel like what you were talking about with the festival band is is applicable to this it's just a festival band you didn't like you know it. it definitely has that feeling though of like lots of build lots of big lots of you know you know uh over the top um uh-huh. so okay so whatever she wakes up and then um <laughs> there's a guy who's uh who's been i guess uh, renting out chicks uh, to like women in a coma to get raped, and yeah. um, that doesn't do anything for me at all. And um, I always, every time I watch this movie, I'm like, this just is like doing nothing. Like, I, what's it here for? What's I guess, the point? Like, 
Yeah, it could have been anybody, but I guess he has to do something bad so that she can take his car and you don't feel bad for him or something. No, um, I don't think he would care about that. I think if anything that he's doing here is because of like the revenge movie stuff that he's trying to add in here, he's trying to add in a rape to make it a rape revenge. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, cause uh-huh. like he's taking a lot of tropes from rape revenge movies. And I think he's like, he's taking well, a lot of tropes from everything. There's gotta be a rape, you know, like yeah. there's a, how are you going to do a rape revenge movie? If there's no rape. But there isn't. Oh, I guess there is implied that it's, it's implied many that he's times. been doing this to her a lot. For four yeah. years. Um, yeah. And also this was really surprising. I was like, does, does the buck who likes the fuck come back? Or is it just this scene? Because for my whole life, people have been referencing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this random asshole? <laughs> I this don't... one the, random ass dude who... I mean, he gets a lot of... It's not memorable of a line. <laughs> it's not a very memorable line. Uh, but you do get a lot of stuff out of him. You know, for being such a minimal character, you get, like, the iconic pussy wagon, you know? Which is, like... It's one of those things so that, like... Stupid. It's stupid, but it's one of those <laughs> things that you're just, like that's just coming out the old brain you know that's just something that tarantino was like yeah there's a guy at the hospital and he's got like a bright yellow and bright red flame pickup truck (laughs) that has like pussy wagon written on the side of it ridiculous yeah it's like i tried i like that's that was funny like like when they uh I like it's a that great they, laugh when she's like in the wheelchair, wheeling through the cars, yeah, looking yeah. at the keychain, trying to figure out like what car this guy drives, and then she just sees it says "pussy wagon," and then she looks at the keys, and it says the same thing. That's funny, yeah. And I wish there was more of that stuff mm-hmm. because that, that that was funny to me, and I laughed, and I was like, "Oh, okay." But it's like there's not enough. Like as a comedy, this sucks. Yes. Like it, there's parts of it that that are funny, but it's like not enough that i'm like wow laugh riot right um i just don't yeah so like then she goes and she uh, this is after she kills vivica a fox um and and i want to talk about the fighting here mm-hmm. because we skipped the vivica a fox part which is her first kill on yeah her, i mean we have two. to move it along just for the sake of time no of course um, but i do want to talk about in the first movie and the whole movie mm-hmm. the fighting is the draw yes. i think i think really if nothing, if everything else you don't like, if you like the fighting, you're going to like the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think what I was realizing is that, like, I just find the fighting in this movie so bland and boring and poorly directed. Mm. I think I think the big part of it is that, like, Quentin hadn't really, like, figured out how to be a Hong Kong director. Right. And I, and I, I think he just assumed that he could do it because he's a good director about other things but he didn't like i feel like he didn't really trust the matrix guy the way the wachowskis did Mm -hmm. like the wachowskis fight scenes are incredible like you, you can watch them alone outside of everything but like the kill bill sequence like with the crazy 88 um i just found it so like like paint by numbers they're doing and then it would be like some idea quentin had where it'd mm-hmm. be like and then it's going to turn black and white and she's going to put the f- sword through his head and then the sword's gonna like he had these like little director ideas that he like had fighting around mm-hmm. and that just feels like it, it completely breaks up the flow of the fighting and makes it very boring until you get to those little parts yeah i mean so this is what i was going to say is like so Jumping ahead to the Crazy 88 sequence, 
that sequence is entirely too long. There's just it's too so, much. There's too much so stuff. Long. And I and think there's not enough there for it to be that long. Well, so what I was going to say is I think what you're getting at more than like, I think it's, it's, this is a problem of editing more than it is a problem of yes. directing. Well, I really both, think that like, yeah. you know, these ideas that he has for like the switch to black and white, you know, these like silhouetted by the blue behind them, like all these different like visuals are great. And I think the action choreography well, is fine. It's good enough. You know, I think that the biggest problem is just that they keep showing you too much of it. So you have too much time to be like, that's not working. That doesn't look good. That doesn't look good. I think if they kind of kept it a little snappier and just got us to Oren a bit quicker or get us to the mini bosses, you know, get us to get us to go, go quicker, get us to whatever the extra guy's name is. You know, <laughs> there's another extra mini boss. I don't remember who he is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's, exactly. that's a problem, I think. It's a huge problem and because the movie's fucking two hours long and that's all there is in it. And it's mm-hmm. just like, once you get to the big set pieces, because you have to watch all this other dumb bullshit of like her like trying to wiggle her big toe or whatever. Like, too long. The wiggle your big toe is too long. Um, with a big flashback. And like this, mo- the first movie is just, for me, such a slog. Mm-hmm. And there is, I'm not going to say there's no parts that are fun looking, but I think even, even the stuff that is like, quote unquote, stylized feels not stylized enough. <laughs> Get out of here. I, that I, is I, ridiculous. I, I'm trying you to don't like, mean that. I, <laughs> she cuts a guy's head off and it's like a shower. <laughs> oh, that No, but that's okay. That's, that stuff is, is that way. Oh my God. But that whole sequence where you have to watch her like become the dang like leader of the yakuza or whatever Mm -hmm. i don't give a shit (laughs) i don't care i I, and it's funny because he talked about like i read i was reading like the wikipedia or whatever and he's like yeah the movie kind of is that's the movie to me the movie is like distractions and like going on little paths of like and then what's their story what's that that for sure yeah and it's like i okay but i you you basically make an anthology movie that way which is kind of what this movie feels like, mm-hmm. which is like a lot of little short stories, um, which makes me not care about the m- overall story. I don't think you're supposed to care about the overall story that much. I don't know what I'm supposed to care about here. I think like, you uh, know. I mean, you know from the beginning, like she's going to kill them all and she's going to kill Bill and that's it. I mean, like, you know, there's I think that's kind of part of what makes the movie appealing to me is mm-hmm. that it's like you don't really have to give a shit about the story because there's almost nothing happening ever. Um, and that <laughs> yeah. kind of makes, well, it kind also- of sucks a little bit of the wind out of like the big end piece, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Right. Um, so, okay. So we talked about those. We talked about, um, the anime sequence is really nice. Anime sequence is very nice. I like that bit. Um, I mean, I, I love the like laughing European, you know, admiral whatever in the back of the limo <laughs> who gets his brains blown out. That's awesome. That I mean, rocks. like this is this 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 guy, uh, the man who directed that sequence, um, which I always forget his name because he's like he's one of those guys who um, he's one of those guys who is like kind of one of the big directors but like not exactly mm-hmm. um god what is his name i don't remember but he he's one of the he's so good um he does a lot of great stuff and um, uh what else is in this movie um so the you don't like the hanzo sequence i do i think it's very fun 
Um, I also love when she's flying on the airplane. I hate that part. Uh, when I love that you see the string holding up the airplane. I love that. That's um, cute. It's, when you do the it, it internal, when you do the internal shot of her writing out her kill list and whatever. Uh, they do a little a little pull out, and you see that everybody else in first class on the plane also has samurai swords. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I noticed that. Yeah, it's, this is the first time I ever noticed that. But everybody else traveling on the plane with her also has a samurai sword with them. <laughs> That's funny. And I like uh, the parts where it doesn't take itself seriously. Like it, it's that's that stuff's fun it helps uh and then there's the the vivica fox part uh doesn't really do a whole lot for me the fight is okay it's fine uh i like when they hide their knives behind their backs when the girl comes home and like they're both like bloody and everything is fucked up and the girl's like what happened and she's like your dog just made a mess (laughs) (laughs) i think i think that's that sequence is a good example of like I think why this movie doesn't work for me. Uh, There's a quote on, uh, I don't know what they're quoting, but on Wikipedia they say, Kill Bill was inspired by grindhouse films, including martial arts films, samurai cinema, blaxploitation films, and spaghetti westerns. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's just like, it's too much. And then like what you end up getting is for him to use the narrative is like you have a a samurai sword fight scene in a suburban house. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just like there's too many clashing kitches that don't add up to anything for me. And my favorite parts of the of the whole movie is when he actually focuses on one and just does an homage to one thing. Because mm-hmm. I don't think he's gotten to the point in his talent where he's able to like mash him up effectively yet. Yeah. Like when she goes to um, the, the one inch. Pime. Oh, we're getting there. We're getting there. That's okay. in okay. that's in part two. Right. And uh, I will say my <laughs> my other my Kill Bill Volume Two letterbox review was I wish Pime was in every Tarantino movie. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. He's great. <laughs> Pime is the best character Quentin Tarantino has ever put into a movie. I love him. I love him. I love him so much. <laughs> so okay. So I think we're mostly through Volume One here. Um, it's really only three scenes. It's like she killed Vivica A. Fox. They set up the story. She goes to Hanzo, gets the sword. She goes, kills uh, Lady Snowblood. Um, and that's it. And yeah. it's over. Um, it, it's really, it, it. like I said, that this movie feels like it should be half an hour long. Like there's not enough <laughs> there for me to, for me to want to see any more of that. Yeah. Uh, and then the movie ends and, Bill's like, does she know that her daughter's alive? And then the movie's over. Yeah. One thing I also want to mention, uh, why is the font bad? Why does the font look like default Final Cut Pro in this movie? Which, the Kill Bill font? All of it. Like, all the chapters, all all the dang... um, um, uh, Titles, the, the credits at the end... Like all the it's just chapter one two like it looks like it doesn't look cool like it doesn't I don't know which movie he's supposed to be referencing it just looks it's, like it's um the Lady Snowblood manga is what the at least is what the cover is like supposed to be doing. You mean the actual like Kill Bill in yellow? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 so, no I'm talking about the white text that says chapter one. But isn't that the same font? No, it's white. 
It's just white and it looks like Final Cut Pro default. Like it looks like Sans Serif. I, I, it's crazy. <laughs> I don't get what it is. Oh, I'm yeah. And then there's like the little like two drawn and whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It looks kind of shitty. Yeah. I, I was really surprised because like he Jackie usually Brown, is like impeccable fonts. That's his main thing. Yeah. Jackie Brown. Like it looks like Arial. Like it looks like he just put in like Arial default. Chapter three, the origin of Oren just looks like anything. It doesn't yeah. look like anything. It's kind of and funny then, though, in a way that like, his usually his his movies are like you know stylish but not super over stylized and then the text is really where he like takes his moment to be like by the way (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of funny that this is like the reverse where it's like the whole movie is the by the way and then the text is like and whatever (laughs) it's text (laughs) (laughs) yeah but then uh then at the end credits of volume two it looks like stairway to heaven Mm -hmm. like it looks like this old hollywood like scroll that it it looks crazy. I don't know what the fuck he's thinking with this text. Uh, it's bad, and I'm, I'm mad about it. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so, so volume two. two. Um, volume two. Volume starting two. Starting with chapter, I think four. Whatever. Um, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Uh, the, so we chapter open four. The man from Okinawa. We see. Um, no, man from Okinawa is in volume one. That's the. That's her getting the sword. Oh, then we start with chapter six, I guess. I guess so. It's her at the wedding, um, at the rehearsal for the wedding, and Bill shows up, and he's playing his gigantic flute, and that's the first time you see um, uh, David Carradine. It's the first time you... Because like, you hear his voice oh, yeah. in the first one a couple times, and you're uh-huh. like, oh, it's David Carradine, but you don't really know if you're ever going to see him. And then this is the first time you see him, and it's just David Carradine. And you're that was like, an inter- damn. <laughs> that was an interesting thing. And you say that uh, like I'm supposed to know who that is. David Carradine? He's Kane from Kung Fu. Don't he's, know what that is and don't care. He's like uh, a, he's an old... Um, <laughs> so his whole career, uh, David Carradine, is uh, pretending to be Asian. That's his whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> what? He's like... Um, so he was in a show called Kung Fu, where if you look up... Okay, so... Oh, this is the one where he uh, has the has the pot by the arms and he burns himself maybe what? uh isn't he like has to pick up a pot david carradine he well he's he's bill he plays bill no i know but in the in the show kung fu oh like i don't know op- i haven't seen it since i was a kid but the opening um, so he um so david carradine is like irish oh my he's god like a white guy um <laughs> he's really uh and yeah, if you look at him if you look at him in in kung fu it's fucking ridiculous <laughs> They straight up are doing yellow face. Um, yeah. So Why? anyway, so <laughs> Dave Carradine in this is obviously supposed to be coded Asian, but I think that's kind of the point um, of having his brother be Bud. I love that. Like that, like that uh, Bill is this like mysterious, you know, like Kung Fu master Asian coded guy who like plays the flute and whatever. And then, like, his brother is just this white trash piece of shit living in a trailer <laughs> doing bouncing at working a titty at a, bar. <laughs> working at a strip club. Uh, that's, I mean, I think, honestly, like, when I think of my good feelings about Kill Bill as a full piece, most of what I like is in volume two. Yes, of course. Because um, that's when the movie starts. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but so we have this opening sequence of the wedding rehearsal. Uh, and we have uh, Uma talking about how she doesn't have anybody in her family, and then Bill is outside, and they talk for a little bit, 
and uh, they play it off like he's her dad and blah, blah, blah. And then you see uh, everybody come in and kill them. Um, yeah. Good sequence. I like that sequence. Yeah. I mean, it's... I, at this point in the movie, I just, I've lost so much any goodwill for it that mm. I'm just like, all right, I know what happens here. He kills her. Right. So You've seen it already twice. What, there's no tension Maybe three here. Times. It's like, you should have just put this at the beginning of the movie. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, and here's, here's one thing I wanted to mention. I feel like this movie cheats a lot um, with our, with emotions and mm-hmm. like tries to be like, oh, but you didn't know this. Uh, and, and, tries to be like it, it it allows him to have his cake and eat it too a lot who Bill? um quentin oh. like <laughs> a, a good a good example is like when she gets buried alive she's screaming and she doesn't she like forgets that she's trained in like <laughs> uh the one punch thing that yeah. like allows her, and it's like you can't you can't show her acting like a scared lady and then also be like oh but she's also trained for five years with like the most best kung fu master of all time and has Mm -hmm. no like why would she do that and it it just it feels like he just wants to have every part of it where he's like riding around like showing you one thing and then being like actually it doesn't matter yeah it kind of it, it kind of betrays it a little bit that she's freaking out too it kind of feels like her character up until that point and pretty much in every single other sequence of this movie uh like that character of the bride would just be like stone face going into the coffin like yeah fucking bury me i'll see you in a fucking hour yeah (laughs) a lot of it feels cheated that way and Uh i I, i'm trying to i'm trying to think of other examples but i feel like a lot of the movie is like whatever scene she's in she's a different character and just just for the pur- just for the purpose of what he wants you to be feeling or once is trying to reference more specifically <laughs> sure um is she the man with that with no name from good bad and the ugly or is she a revenge rape revenge lady from i spit on your grave mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter she's not a real person or a real character <laughs> she's a she's a She's an action figure. Yeah, there's no, and it's like, well, that's for sure. She's an action figure. And that's fine, but it's like, I don't have to think I think that's the essence of the movie, right, <laughs> is that she's an action figure, so is everybody else. All this is is playing with toys. It's a collage, you know? Yeah. I think of this as a collage more than anything. Yes, it's absolutely, and that's why I think it's his weakest piece, is because I think it's just like, he's just being like, look at all the fun stuff I think is cool. Mm-hmm. I don't, and that's all it is. <laughs> Um, so next we have, um, she's already killed, uh, Orinishi and Vernita Green. She goes to, we, we check in on Bill's brother who again, hilariously is a white trash bouncer at a, at a strip club. This um, is the best scene in the movie for me. Is the two of them talking to each other? Is when he gets fired or like when. Oh he- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that bit a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> that like Michael, that's Michael Madsen, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, when he goes to his, he's 20 minutes late. And his boss is just like patiently but infuriatedly explaining to him that he has to show up to his job. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, but there's no one out there to bounce. And the guy's like, oh, so you're telling me that the reason why you're late to your job is because I actually don't need to be paying you to do this? And he's like, yeah. well, no, that's not what I'm saying. He's like, oh, well, let's let's go ahead. And, and he's like hilarious in the scene, really milking it, just like, let's go to the calendar. It's calendar time for Bud. <laughs> 
incredible I don't character. know who that guy is, but it's like this movie where it's like a normal, like Tarantino is just like relishing in his like ability to write interesting little characters. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, I'd rather watch this movie. Yeah, I want to watch this guy more. And then you're out. And then um, it's like, okay, bye. But uh, and yeah, then, in and my, then, but, I know he's not, but in my mind's eye, that's Ray Romano. I don't think it it's is. It's not. It's 100% not. But I, uh, I always think of him as Ray Romano. <laughs> because and then he goes back and then he becomes like a totally different type of character who has like all these like lines, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, this is, goes back to being an action figure. Like Bud talks like completely different and is very competent. I don't uh, think he's very competent. No, I think well, he's, he talks like he is. He's I just guess. on some white trash shit where like she comes to the door and he fucking blows a hole in her chest with a, with rock salt from his gun. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, I mean, he's doing some fucking bullshit. He's got like some like hillbilly digging a grave for him and they fucking nails her into a pine box and throws her down there. And like, I don't well, think doesn't, any of it. Doesn't he, isn't he told to do that? No, no, no. That's his idea. That's all his idea. Oh, okay. He just is like. <laughs> He's he knows she's coming because Bill comes to him and says like look she's already killed two of them it's very obvious what she's up to and he's and he says like have you kept up with your sword play and he's like you know I have <laughs> no I love that he's got the fucking Hattori Hanzo sword this priceless you know Japanese sword possibly the last one Hattori Hanzo ever made uh, just stuck in a golf bag in his in his closet yeah. Um, but anyway, so he shoots her we and don't he, find that he out buries much her later, alive. Right? Yeah, much later. Um, and uh, then he calls, um, uh, what's her name again? Daryl Hannah. Hannah uh, calls her up and is like, hey, can I sell you this fucking sword? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. the fact that he does try to sell her the sword does make me kind of think that he actually probably doesn't even remember that he still has his sword. You know what I mean? Cause he tells bill oh. like, yeah, I sold that thing years ago. And then, uh, he's trying to sell this one makes you think like, Oh, he definitely just forgot. <laughs> I don't know. I thought, I thought like him having it with the doll engraved was more of like a, Oh, he actually does care he about does it. Care but he's about a dumbass. His brother. Yeah. I don't know. It could be either, either one. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, again, He's an action figure, so who cares? But <laughs> but so so the bride gets buried alive. She has a flashback to the best sequence of the movie by far. Absolutely, um, this is the best scene in the or yes in in all both movies. Yeah. So we have like a nice little moment of her and Bill. She's like clearly younger and more naive. Uh, they're camping. He's playing his flute, telling her this story about Pai Mei. Uh, I don't like, like this part. Murdering a. a, a um, a Shaolin monk who disrespected him. What's great in this scene, though, is that he's telling the story and it takes place in like the year 1022. <laughs> so, like, the implication is that Pai Mei has lived <laughs> for like a, a thousand, thousand years <laughs> and that, like, when, um, when L, you know, poisons him with the fish head, like, that's her putting an end to this, like, thousand year life of this martial arts master. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so he tells her the story and then she goes up and she meets Pai Mei and Pai Mei is this incredible character, really right. perfectly just, realized. Just want to point out, before we get there, we have this whole long scene of David Carradine playing this huge flute, which is a, very boring. And then we have also have to have Uma Thurman 
again be this weird mishmash of a character who's like this sort of like doe-eyed well it's years earlier you know it's a totally different time she's still an assassin and like she's trained and like i got the impression that this was early in her like she wasn't quite an assassin yet this was her training to become an assassin which i felt like was the implication when they then tell you that um that ellie uh also goes to train there like that this is part of the onboarding process of becoming a deadly viper I also don't like why I don't get why she's dressed this way. Yeah, she's um, wearing like jean capris. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get this is another this is another thing about this movie is like what I was saying about like samurai sword in a suburban house like mm-hmm. I don't get, I don't get the joke here like is it supposed to be funny that she's dressed like a Kmart mom or I something? I think so. Yeah, cuz I think the <laughs> idea is that uh like this is before she becomes a cool ass assassin character so she's just like a normal woman. Um, and uh, and <laughs> it's supposed to kind make of any sense. it's a funny She's juxtaposition with this like ancient Chinese you know uh, setting and then she's yeah. just up there just like you know like hey nice to meet you Pai Mei <laughs> She's wearing like wedges and sandals uh-huh. and stuff. It's like, what have we talked? She's she's supposed to be like she thinks she's proficient in some kung fu mm-hmm. styles and good with swords and stuff. So it's like yeah, she's young and training. She's wearing? she's got a big head. She thinks that she's further along than she is. Right. Anyway, we get to this great scene. Great sequence of her training. She's practicing this technique of like putting her fingers up to a board and then punching it from two inches out. Well, Pai Mei immediately is amazing looking mm-hmm. um, and looks, <laughs> uh, who's he supposed to look like? There's Who another, knows? there's another movie. Is it Shogun Assassin? I'll never forget seeing this in the theater and how much the crowd just went wild for Pai Mei. Just I mean, the way he looks. Every time he like flips his beard through his fingers and shit, people are just like cracking up, cheering, like just going nuts for Pai Mei. <laughs> <laughs> you mean when he like does his little beard? Yeah, the- like every time something happens and he like sees it and he either approvingly does the beard flip or disapprovingly <laughs> does it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, his huge eyebrows and beard. Mm -hmm. The the design is, this is what I'm saying. It's like when he gets interesting with like, I'm just going to take this stuff from these movies that I like uh, and put it in this movie. That's fun. And and he and he's so careful with like the snap zooms. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, the zooms in this are incredible. This is one that formally... I mean, the film... The film quality changes, changes during the sequence. And it looks good now yeah. and interesting. And he's doing these like textural and formal things that just like don't happen. And this is what I was trying to say about um, I want it to be more stylized. Where it's like if you're going to be like, okay, we're switching from Western to a uh, martial arts movie to uh, black exploitation, like formally do that. But I th- my problem is, is like it all kind of looks like an early two thousand move, like action mm. movie. Like there's a lot of sequences in this movie that are like indistinguishable from Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> Shut up! Literally, like in the desert shots, they look the same. They just look bland. It looks like Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It just looks like an early two thousands like slick digital looking movie. <laughs> And then you get stuff like this where, you know, the, you get the anime and you get like this like really interesting martial arts footage where he clearly knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But there's so many different things that like 
a lot of them kind of fall into this weird middle, like default early 2000s movie looking thing. And I, I then I'm like, why? This isn't interesting looking at all. But Pime looks great is what I'm saying. Pime looks great. His acting is incredible. Um, just his whole sequence is very fun. Uh, so she remembers this experience of learning this punch. Right. This is like a 20, 30 minute sequence. No, it's not. It's, it's like five be. minutes. <laughs> You're on, no, it isn't. It's like it, five minutes. It's so short. No, it isn't. Because I remember watching, I watched it last night and I remember being like, man, I wish this was longer. I want more pie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it, there's so much of the fight and then her like the bloody hand and like the, oh, and then she's trying to eat the rice but her hand is all fucked up from punching the wall so much i love that yeah great it's bit it's a long sequence i don't think it's that long anyway so she uses the <laughs> technique and uh, escapes from the coffin i guess i guess the implication is supposed to be that like this was part of her training and that there was like a lot more of this type of shit going on so that like it's not just like the like the one time she ever did something like so like you know she's like accessing in her brain like oh what can i do to get myself out of this what about pai Mei's special little punch thing i know but i just think it's stupid like <laughs> <laughs> like i i think that's you're right that that's the idea is like Oh, I have so much training that I have to like access this yeah, thing from my early training. Yeah, through the old uh, the old archives. That doesn't make any sense. But it's so, like I, I think really he just wanted to like do the buried alive exploitation movie and mm-hmm. then be like, and then she gets out of it with her martial arts movie. I and mean, it's like, I love I I okay. love also how stupid it is when she punches through and you're just like, oh, so she just gets instantly crushed by all the dirt. But she just like. <laughs> Is like in like Zelda when you have like in when you have the special Zora swim up the the uh, the, river, the waterfall swim up the waterfall thing. She's like <laughs> makes her way. Out. Yeah, she has like the ultra hand ascend power. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> uh, uh, and then you get like a funny little thing where she goes into the the diner across the street well, from the graveyard. Her hand comes out of her hand comes out of the dirt like Evil Dead too uh-huh. or whatever. It's like, psh- um, but she's all covered in dirt, climbing out of the out of the graveyard, goes across the street to the diner and asks for a glass of water. I love that. Yeah, that's good. That's a funny bit. Meanwhile, um, uh, Daryl Hannah goes to Mike Ladson's apart or his little trailer thing uh, under the guise of uh, buying the sword from him. Actually, just kills him with a deadly snake for the crime of uh, dishonorably killing um, Uma Thurman. What do we think of that? Uh, wait. What happened? Oh, she kills him. She yeah, kills yeah. him with the snake, and she says like that they, woman they think, deserves better dead. than this. Um, again, I mean, I don't really like Daryl Hannah's character. Yeah, I'm not a all. huge fan of her, and I'm not She's a fan boring. of her as an actor either. I think she kind of like doesn't really work <laughs> at all in any of her scenes. Pretty much. No, she's not very good. I mean, she's good in Videodrome. <laughs> but and Blade Runner, but it's like she's kind of again she's she's kind of one of those actresses who's just like she's there because she's cool looking. Mm-hmm. Even in the like memorable movies she's from, yeah, um, she's not like a great actress. So giving her a lot of stuff to do just is like mm, don't do that. <laughs> just make her eye patch lady. <laughs> yeah. Um so she uh um gets ambushed by the bride who now we know is called Beatrix Kiddo, who gives a shit. I sure don't. Um, who gives a shit? Nobody ever calls her that anyway. So she No one need, uh, no one, this movie doesn't need more lore. 
Like, I don't care. See, Don't this is where cool. I disagree with you, is I do think it needs more lore. I Part of me is like, I know that Quentin is now like going back and writing lore books for all of his movies. I want I want a book about <laughs> Pai Mei. No. I want no. a book about Pai Mei. I want a movie about Pai Mei. That's I want fun. like origin stories of That's all these saying. characters. Show I want me everything. whip pans. Show me like, show me the, the 60s and 16 millimeter like desert heat with mm-hmm. like a close up of a gun somehow in like an optical framing like show me your visual tricks quentin i don't care about like what her name is it doesn't matter she's not supposed to have a name whatever then they have a fight in this so uh, they name her and then they have a fight and i'll uh, say this fight though rocks this fight is a good one this is a good fight they have a full this is like the only full i I guess no the the crazy 88 is all is all sword fight shit yeah, but who um, cares? It's, it's hard to see. It's too much, and it's hard to see until she fights Oren. Um, but so they they have a full on samurai sword fight very briefly uh, in the trailer, which is fun. It's, I like a confined space fight. That's always yeah. really fun in a movie, and I, I love that it ends really quickly with her just plucking her fucking other <laughs> eye out. Unbelievably yeah, cruel. <laughs> love that. That's great. A funny. Big laugh. Yeah. Smushes the fucking eyeball between her toes. Yuck. Gross. Also, she doesn't die, though. No, but it's even better. She just leaves her blind in this fucking trailer (laughs) with a deadly snake in it. (laughs) Oh, I guess she probably will die. Um, I guess that the implication that she'll probably die. Yeah, she probably will die. Yeah. And if Um, she doesn't, what's she going to fucking do? She's going to, like, she's in the middle of the desert in a trailer. Right. Blind. I don't like when she's, like, explaining the snake off of a. Of a off of a notepad. Nah, Shut up. Does nothing for me. This is taking so long. Honestly, the, the whole snake angle of the whole thing, I don't give a shit about. Um, mm-hmm. Especially because he didn't even he didn't even like. I remember always, always being so annoyed by the fact that uh, Daryl Hannah's snake is California Mountain Snake. I'm like, come on, you <laughs> you accessed you accessed Black Mamba, a snake <laughs> I've never heard of that has a perfect Tarantino ass name. You yeah. know, you've got Sidewinder. That's all right. Why not? You know, um, sure, I'll take it. Cottonmouth is okay. Copperhead is okay. You know, they're snakes. But they're That's snakes fine. that have names. Yeah, yeah. California Mountain Snake sucks. <laughs> You didn't even use Cobra. <laughs> you didn't Where's even use Cobra? Cobra. You didn't use Viper. <laughs> you didn't use Cobra. Well, they're all the they're black all vipers, Viper. Yeah. Deadly Viper, whatever. You but didn't, you use, didn't Cobra. use Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's insane. You didn't use um, Anaconda. Right. There's a better on. one. <laughs> and then Snake Charmer is Bill. That That's all right. He's like a, a Charlie's Angels sort of thing, I guess. I guess. But anyway. Uh so that fight I will give it to you that's the one that feels like that's the one that feels like oh this stylized martial arts movie got transported into the trailer from the hills have eyes Mm -hmm. and and you get a little bit what would happen if that you get a nice little taste of each you know and then that's what this movie should be nice little badass action movie line when uh she's like i'm here to buy your sword which in the immediate future will become my sword and then you get bitch you don't have a future (laughs) (laughs) this is what i'm saying is that like I want to be fair here. Like, if the movie was well done uh-huh. and was just like, what if, ho- like, grindhouse horror movie meets martial arts movie, put it together, what does that look like formally? Mm-hmm. 
they're throwing each other through these like cheap like uh luon walls um and into bathtubs and stuff yeah. like that's cool and it's an interesting idea it doesn't overstay its welcome they they explore that's really it the biggest thing out. in this sequence and and this is this gives a lot of credence to my initial thing about the crazy 88 and i think about a lot of this movie is that when it doesn't overstay its welcome it goes down a lot easier. Like this sequence, <laughs> uh, yeah. if this was way longer, you probably would have had the same criticisms of it that you have of the other parts. But I think because he just is like, he's smart enough to say, oh, it's funny if it ends really quickly with her plucking her fucking eye out. <laughs> I, no, I think a big part of it is how long and how how little editing he did. Uh, but I also think that visually, he it's not quite interesting enough for me a lot of the times uh he does he could go bigger and go more i think if he remade a kill bill now if he made kill bill three i think it'd be good Mm -hmm. i think he learned a lot from inglorious bastards and django um i i think he just wasn't ready for this movie it feels too masturbatory Mm -hmm. um death proof is a movie i like way better than this like death proof feels like a grindhouse movie he's doing the thing that he wants to do and then elevating it in places and then even more lowering it in other places he had to learn some stuff that i think he just like wasn't ready for um but you're right a, another i would not have the 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 i wouldn't hate this movie if it was two hours long uh-huh. if it was all put into two hours and they just like got in showed you the idea got out and the Pyme stuff was exactly the same length. <laughs> uh, you know, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have as negative feelings to it. It's just that it's so boring in yeah. places. Um, so we get Elle, she takes her eye out, and then what happens? And then um, we get my least favorite sequence of the movie by a long shot, um, where suddenly like, w- we have so much momentum leading up to this point of like, we see her kill all these people. You know the last one is Bill. You know that's where she's going. You know that's where the movie needs to end. We have this like little detour where she goes to like she has to find Bill, uh, even though she's able perfectly to find everybody else oh, without yeah. any explanation. She has to find Bill. Right? We don't care. It's like <laughs> so that requires going and doing some detective work and uh, talking to this pimp somewhere in in Mexico. Esteban. Esteban, Diego. who uh, for some reason. Uh, was a father figure to Bill when he was a kid or whatever and knows where he is. Uh, don't give a shit about this sequence whatsoever. No need Very to talk long. about it. <laughs> doesn't matter at all. It doesn't have any effect on anything. Nope. He tells her. It doesn't even take any like convincing. He just says, like, of course, I'll tell you. That's what Bill would want me to do. And you're like, okay, sure. then you could have just not shown me this. Yep. And then we go, and then she goes to his house. Or his, Bill's like, house. he's like a hotel or something. I don't know. Uh, this is Bill's house, right? I mean, it seems like, I mean, the way that they treat it, it feels like it's his house, but she walks past like, like bellhops and shit on her way in. So I think it's (laughs) supposed to be like a real fancy fancy cabana or whatever. Maybe he owns a cabana at a hotel. He has like a timeshare or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, who cares? But so she gets there, we find out that her daughter's still alive and extremely cute and, uh, they have some fun Mm -hmm. with, uh, their dynamic, I think. That works really well. I love the, I I love this like weird triangular charisma they have, where like Bill and the daughter have great chemistry, and then Uma and the daughter have great chemistry, but then 
there's like this obvious like distance between and, yeah. Bill and the bride. And so that stuff is great. I, even though it's, it's long and uh, it takes a while. I, I, until the girl goes to sleep, I think we have fantastic acting going on. So this, this part is, uh, is real hard for me to evaluate because I think it's the, it is the best part of the movie. Um, but it has come after three and a half hours of me just being frustrated and bored. Mm -hmm. And I just want the movie to be over. But I think if this, if you had just like set up a 10 minute, like the bride has killed four people and has finally killed this guy because she's getting revenge on it. And this was like a short film by Quentin Tarantino. I'd Mm -hmm. say it's one of the best thing he's ever made. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the, obviously that's impossible. Cause like it's a post, it's like affected by the culmination of all of this stuff. I get that. And it like, I think its biggest problem it's is good and is, it's not good. It's, it's like know. we were talking about before where like the whole movie treats every character like an action figure. And the problem that you have now is that you've spent three hours with action figures and now you have to be like, but what now if they're people, what if they're people? What if, and this is the thing is like, now he's doing the Quentin Tarantino thing that he's known for is what if you took this absurd premise and then treated it very sincerely mm-hmm. and like that happens in Django that happens in Inglorious Bastards uh, that doesn't that happens a little bit in Death Proof um, oh and the Hateful Eight sure um, everything after he really kind of like doubles down on this idea it's like what if what if it is an exploitation and i'm mixing all these ridiculous things i'm into but then taking that very seriously Mm -hmm. um what if the emotions are real and in this movie he waits until the very end after after all this nonsense uh just action figure playing to be like okay but what would it feel like if you were almost killed and you thought your baby was killed by your husband and, and now you're you, meeting and then you show up and not only is your baby not dead but has a like extremely strong bond with her father and like they have an incredible relationship that seems really like really yeah. healthy the movie <laughs> and, comes like really a- decent and-, and then just like it wants to just clock you out of nowhere with this other like like emotional quandary yeah but at this point i just don't give a shit mm. it's like you're gonna kill him I, I, when I first watched this movie, I I said I hate volume one and I kind of liked two because I did like feeling that of like, mm-hmm. oh, what what do, what does happen? What do you leave him alive? Do you try to rebuild this relationship? He's a crazy person. He's a murderer. What do you do? But it's just like it feels so unearned here, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, even though it is good. It's very watchable here. Yeah. I the think, scene is um, good, except for the, he doesn't really need to use a dart gun truth serum for this. It's so <laughs> it's stupid. It's a little goofy uh, with the truth serum and shit. They could have just talked. I don't think it's necessary. Um, because, I mean, at this point, like, they both know one of them's going to kill the other. So, like, yeah. there's no reason for lying. You know, just tell the truth anyway. Um but uh, yeah, so they have uh, they they have a nice little scene with the daughter. Uma puts her to bed, and then they go downstairs. They talk a little more. He tries to suss out like why she left and blah blah blah. She has another flashback of her in a hotel room with a, a Chinese assassin uh, with a shotgun um, when she finds out that she's pregnant. I like that sequence a lot. Um, 
Although it does feel at that point like you're like, come on, we're just like chugging towards the end now, dude. Like, couldn't you've shown mm-hmm. me this earlier than this? Um, I kind of don't like that sequence because it feels so silly. Mm-hmm. Like, it is a good sequence. The the actors are doing really well. It's well written, but it's like the idea that this like hired assassin because. I guess because they're both women, it's like, oh, I respect the pregnancy of no, this person. No, no, I don't no, know. no. It's not that. It's that they're both going to die because they both have a bead on each other. Like, there's no way. It's a it's a classic Tarantino Mexican standoff where it's not though. It's just two people, so you could just pull the trigger. I guess not a Mexican standoff, but they both would die most likely. No, they wouldn't. One of them would pull the trigger first. That's not how <laughs> guns work. You know what I mean? It's just like it feels dumb. It, I don't know. Uh, that sequence felt completely unnecessary she could have just said you could have just i don't know whatever it is again too long Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh uh yeah i mean i feel like i could have used it sooner is my thing with it uh but so then they're at a table having their kind of like last discussion where they realize it's like irreconcilable uh and it's time to fight uh bill takes a big swipe across the table he misses uh, they have a little bit of back and forth sword stuff while sitting down. Fun action stuff. Kind of fun. Uh, for and then 10 she seconds. kind of like spins around and does the five point palm exploding heart technique, which I think this is I think this is nice. Personally, that's a good payoff. It's a nice payoff to something that they talk about earlier. Uh, and Bill says, no, Pai may never teaches anybody that the implication being he may need to use it on somebody someday. Um, and he doesn't want them to know how to do it. Um and then, in the end, he says, Paime taught you the, the the palm technique. And she's like, of course. You know? <laughs> like, uh, I, th- I think I, that scene is really nice. And then he walks away and he dies. He says, why, did you, he says, why didn't you tell me? And she, oh, says, and she says, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and I, I, again, it's like, this stuff, the way he writes stuff is really good. Like, that's mm-hmm. so good. But it's just, at this point, it's just like, so what? <laughs> And what? What are you getting at? Nothing. Yeah. Why do we have this? <laughs> this is all these. I'm supposed to care about these action figures that you've been. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that it's like, you know, you're kind of playing with this. Like, it's the same thing with Hattori Hanzo breaking his oath to make a sword again so somebody can kill Bill. Is like, you get the sense that, like, there's this kind of like long string of people who were scorned by bill in some way who have some sort of a grudge against him or they know what evil he's done and so they're constantly like if you can use this to put an end to what bill is doing please do (laughs) yeah um no i i I, it's all kind of there but it's just yeah doesn't all add up to anything so then we get a last little sequence of uh uma driving away with the daughter and then she's crying on the floor of a hotel realizing also feels very unearned like now she's this real person well i don't know i think it's i think of anything that's the most earned because that's the one where you finally like you're done with your big purpose you've done your big thing and it's like now what you have this girl you have no money probably you have nowhere to go you don't know what your life is anymore because you just woke up from the dead basically right, but, just... but, but, but what you're saying is if in real life all this insane stupid bullshit happened mm-hmm. how would you feel it's like I, no you don't get to do that like you don't get to have your character have this like real human moment about like cutting someone's head off and blood splurting out like, mm-hmm. i don't believe you uh it doesn't feel 
it doesn't feel possible to me. Like it feels like a different movie. You know what I mean? I don't like, know. It, I take guess... the take the re- rape revenge action movie seriously or don't. But you can't have this like you know i think you can i think i think it's perfectly fine to have a you know alexander wept before there were no more there was nothing left to conquer or whatever like there's sort of this (laughs) moment where she's like well i did it i killed everybody like i killed everybody that's it there's nothing else like my character has nothing so what else is there for me you know like where does my life go from here not clear got a daughter well she hangs out with the daughter (laughs) i feel like it's a happy cry i think it's a bit of both i think it's it's, a relief yeah uh, that it's all done. She did it, and you win. I guess. I think it's both. I don't know. In any event, that's the movie, folks. I love that's it. The Bryn movie. hates it. It's one of the rare. Uh, it's one of the rare splits. Big splits. Yeah. Um. Well, you love it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I had a great time watching it. Interesting. Yeah, and I, I, I was thinking about it as I was watching it. I was like, if you just like think this looks cool, mm-hmm. it's a great movie. If you think it's it looks cool, if you think it's f- looking cool. I think, again, it's a lot of it is tied up in my own nostalgia. Sure. Like, that can't be, you know, that can't be understated. But I still think... um, Like, I think of The Fugitive as, like, an all-time action movie. mm Mm-hmm. And it's uh, probably not. But The Fugitive (laughs) is, like, a... But, I mean, The Fugitive is an interesting comparison to to this because it's kind of the opposite, right? Where it's, like, it's just a fun, good, tight little story that doesn't really have a whole lot of like style necessarily happening in it. Yeah. It's just like stuff where cool happens. Yeah, I don't know. This is like the reverse where it's like, it's not a particularly great or interesting story and it's not trying to be, it's mostly just trying to be style. Yeah. And I think that's just like, I think if that you don't, is poison like, to me. if you don't love the sequence of Uma Thurman in the yellow leather, you know, outfit riding the motorcycle through Tokyo streets, I think if you don't love that, you're not going to like this movie. <laughs> no, it sucks. Um, and I, I don't love get it. it. I don't get why. But like, why? It looks awesome. It looks no, it really doesn't. cool. And <laughs> the music gives it a really great vibe. Um, it's a vibe. movie. I feel like movie. this is the most Reddit movie I've ever seen. No. Like, it, it, it's, it's, it's just like, ooh, epic, badass. No, like Interstellar is the most Reddit movie. Like, the, well, this isn't a sure, Reddit but movie. That, that's, that's like a... That's like a, uh, that's like the R atheist Reddit. Mm-hmm. This is just like general, cool. Like I'm a college student, but and somebody I think invented it's cool. this. You know, like that's part of the it, f- like. It, that's what's so frustrating about this movie is he didn't invent anything. Like no, but I mean, this, like this has the least amount of squeeze from the juice. You know what I mean? Like it has the least amount of juice from him putting shit at- together. And being like, have you ever seen Switchblade Sisters? Well, what if it was also Shogun Assassin? But this it's is the like, thing: is it's not that because it's because it would be like if he's like the the what if the, it was Lady Snowblood? The, the Reddit thing would be to call it Lady Snowblood and make Lady Snowblood. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the fact that this stuff is like it's being put in front of you as a cool thing that Quentin is into that is being shrouded enough that you have to do the work to find out what it is that he's referencing <laughs> you know what i mean like that's sure. that's something fun about this too is that i had a girlfriend who loved the lady snowblood manga because she was she did the work to like find out what this was referencing and she was like oh i'm gonna check this out and then she loved it it's like nothing like this but like she right. liked it anyway you know like it's kind of got this sort of um lady snowblood's a cool movie it, 
it's got this sort of fun like um like album liner notes sort of quality to it you know (laughs) yeah and I, I think I think I'm just kind of allergic to stuff that's all vibes. Mm. And I think it it kind of to me. I know it's, it's because I'm fucked up in the brain. You should just but enjoy like, vibes. I try, but like it's kind of the actual criticism people. It's like if 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 the criticisms levied against Wes Anderson were true. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's I like, don't oh, agree he's, with that. He's just he's just all style. Uh-huh. This is just all style. And I, I just, I, I think it's like, it's fine to just be all style if that's what you are. But I mm-hmm. feel like that's a actual, that is a criticism people want to make true about Wes Anderson, which is absolutely not true. He makes really good stories. Yeah, this isn't a good story. This isn't a good story. Um, the only thing here is the style. Yeah, I guess so. Is that true? I mean, I don't know. I think there's I think there's little emotionally resonant moments it. within it. Um, <laughs> I think there are things within each movie that kind of like individually have like nice little emotional moments, but I think How do you think you would take this movie if you'd never seen it before? That's I mean, a I know great it's question. Impossible, but um, like do you think you would be like fun? Like I'm sure you wouldn't have an emotional connection to it the way you do, but like do you think you as a person would be like, this is a fun movie? I think it would depend on the context in which I see it. I think if I saw this at a movie theater um, today, having never seen it before, if I saw this at a movie theater. Four hours long. No, no, no. no. I'd have to see one at a time. I think it's okay. I think it's better taken as one and two personally. Um, I think I my personal feeling is if you're going to watch this against my rec- anti-recommendation, <laughs> don't watch the first one. Yeah, honestly, I don't think you need the first one <laughs> that not, much. It's not a movie. You like, could watch like an abridged of it or something like that. Just like read the synopsis and then watch part two and two you'll be perfectly fine. Two other people got killed because it's really half of it is setting up what happened, which you also don't find out everything that happened. You find out in the beginning of two that Bill comes and kills everybody. Mm-hmm. So you don't even really need one uh, to tell you that. Uh, and then she kills Vivica A. Fox and then she kills... And then you find out uh, Oren's entire backstory, and then she kills her. That's the whole movie. Uh, so I would say just watch two if yeah. you have to. Um, but I think even one, I think even if I was at... If you loved two, watch one. I think if I was at a movie theater, like specifically if I was at like an Alamo and I'd like had a drink or two and I was at the movies, you know, big sound system, big screen... I think I'd still love these. I think I'd still have a great time with them. <laughs> yeah. I think if I was, if I maybe, if I had no knowledge of Quentin Tarantino whatsoever, I, I don't know. It's so hard to, to divorce yeah, something no, in the context. Because it's no. also like saying like, this would also have to be placed in the same part of his career and whatever. Like, it's yeah. impossible to really say. But I think that this is like bombastic and fun enough that I'd still have a good time with it. Yeah. I just, I'm just really surprised that I... I'm just surprised that I didn't like it at all. Like I, I, I had trouble finding stuff that was fun for me because mm-hmm. I, because I've softened so much on his other stuff, um, and I, and I've I've come to feel like he's he he has something to say and he has this talent that I I respect him for, but this is the this is the Quentin that I hate to see, which is just him. Him just 
Just being indulgent. Jer- jerking off about the stuff he likes and really not adding anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, yeah. It's like uh, watching someone like explain to you their rock collection to me <laughs> you know it's like yeah i guess that one is cool pretty cool that's a moldavite sure cool rocks awesome but it's like four hours long <laughs> and like uh, that's the thing is like with when pi may shows up i'm like oh yeah i also like these kinds of movies mm-hmm. i like this this stuff but everything else i don't know yeah Pime rocks, I think, is kind of. The, I think we can agree. We can agree. Pime is <laughs> Pime awesome. And it should be you, in every movie. You should check out that part of the movie. Check out at that least. part of the movie for sure. Imagine Pime in the other ones. Think about him, maybe like, maybe in the uh, in the scene in Pulp Fiction when. Um, when the guy busts out of the bathroom uh, and he shoots <laughs> at Jules and uh, Vincent and Vincent, and he misses every shot, and then we kind of like do a pan out to see Jaime in the background disapprovingly flip his beard <laughs> and then walk away, and then walk Just, away, like, disappear in a puff of smoke. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and maybe in um, maybe in um, uh, in bastards during the scene where we have the big build up where he's tapping the tapping the bat against the inside of the tunnel and then he comes out and just beats the shit out of that Nazi I was going to say that exact same sequence. He's yeah. like on top of the cave. Like- and then we, yeah, we come up, he's up on top of the cave approvingly does the, does the flip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> yeah. Kill Bill yeah. is basically like arguing over if a joke is funny. Uh-huh, yeah. I, I, you know, it's like, I, I can't, it's, there's re- there's no hatred or or you know I I don't I don't think there's really much to discuss about if it if it's a good movie it's mm-hmm. a, it's it's a collection of of images and situations and if you think they're fun and funny and cool and badass hey more power to you uh I just this is this is uh this is poison to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and it's so close to. I think what's frustrating is it's so close to stuff that I like. I don't know why it it bounces off me. Don't know. It it feels it feels so. It feels so close to something that I should be interested in. It's baffling. Yeah. All right. All good. Is that our takes? That's our takes. That's our takes on Kill Bill: The Whole Bloody Affair. Quentin Tarantino's fourth movie and my personal least favorite of his movies. Um, but if you like it, check it out. If you don't like it, don't check it out. Uh, th- thanks for listening to Generation Loss. It's been an extra big-sized, Quentin Tarantino-sized <laughs> episode. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, next week is Django Unchanged which uh, is pretty high up there in my personal yeah, case, I definitely. think. definitely. I'm very excited to watch it. Um, sad we're skipping Glorious Bastards, but I'll probably just watch it anyway. <laughs> just for fun and to picture Pai Mei in every scene, if you could. <laughs> yes. Uh, when, when, they, when they blow up Hitler, he's just like outside. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yes. So next week will be Django. If you want to watch along, it'll be Django fun movie we're gonna end slavery folks uh, 
<laughs> if you'd like to hear more of our show, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss, where you'll get a bonus episode every week. Uh, this week we talked about the movie trailers. Um, we talk about your emails. We talk about where you live. We talk about um, the movie, the show that we're watching this month is Rome season two <laughs> which we have definitely started I've watching seen all of it at this point yep. it's i've got my opinions chomping at the ready. bit couldn't couldn't wait <laughs> can't tell you to, can't wait to tell you what happens to polo um and then you this will be the month actually we should start this now uh we we need to be voting on next month's show yes so if you want to vote on the show Please go to patreon.com slash generation loss and join the Sopranos tier because we have no idea what we're watching next month. Uh, and it could be anything. We could, we're starting a whole new show. Um, so please go do that. You can join the Dark Council if you like. Uh, you'll get access to the Discord. You can hang out with us there. You can follow us on Twitter at GenLossPod and follow us individually from there. Also, listen to my new song. Stay Inside put out a new record a uh, new song called the backyard it is playing everywhere follow us on all of the dang socials because we're posting all kinds of videos and stuff so that's exciting for me otherwise jeremy do you don't have another show at this point right yeah it's just gen lots it's movies all day baby yep just movies <laughs> nothing but movies movies and babies uh okay so that's the show thanks so much for listening and until next time that's, that's movies, movies.